welcome to the Advance Your Art podcast, where we talk about the journey from artist to entrepreneur and everything in between. You've worked hard to hone your craft. Now take it to the next level with tips, techniques, strategies, and routines used by successful artists to grow their businesses and careers. Now, let's get started and have some fun with your host, Yuri Cataldo. Good morning. Welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm excellent. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. It's my pleasure. Thank you for joining me. I'd like to first ask how you describe yourself these days. <laughs> Busy. Um, <laughs> it's never ending. But but in terms of who I am and what I do, um, I am coming to the technical world into coding after 10 years of teaching in the humanities, I taught English at the college level for 10 years. And now I am doing Flatiron School, which I love. And I am running a blockchain challenge with Bombs Can Code, which is also a very fantastic experience. So kind of describe myself as, as someone who's doing a little bit of everything. Yeah, definitely. You sound uh, someone who definitely has a lot on their plate, which is amazing. <laughs> So why, let's start from the beginning a little bit yeah. then. What made you want to go to school to study English? Um, it's so funny because I always had a love for literature. Um, I always felt that I understood it and it understood me. And I also loved math. And so in high school, I took Calc 1 my senior year. And I wanted to take Calc 2 my first semester as a freshman but they didn't offer it. So I ended up in a literature class. I thought this is definitely the place for me. Um, literature helps me to understand the world in ways that other things can't. So that's how I ended up in English. And I just kept going until I got my master's and I started teaching and trying to pass that passion on to students as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so what was, was there a particular specialty I think that you were you were teaching at the college level or just, just something basic? So because I was an adjunct, I kind of got sent every course that <laughs> nobody else wanted to teach. But I did one semester get to teach screenwriting, which is a total passion of mine. And that was the highlight of anything I had ever taught because it's just, I don't know, fantastic to connect with other people on things that you are really passionate about or things that drive you. Yeah. Well, good. Okay. So, so you're going along as a professor for 10 years and then suddenly you decide to switch over <laughs> and work in the tech world as a coder. So I am, I'm curious on how that process happened. Okay. Yeah. This is, um, just a bizarre story. <laughs> so I will pass it along. I had no intentions two years ago of switching. I was pretty happy in my job um, and I liked what I was doing. And then um, I had three kids at the time and I was pregnant and I gave birth to my fourth kid. And while I was giving birth, two of my organs ruptured and they didn't know it. They and yeah. I kept saying something's wrong and they sent me home. And so for a month, I lived with these unbearable symptoms until I had surgery. Um, 
which was an extensive recovery. So it's taken me about 18 months to get back to um, where I wanted to be. That was almost two years ago. So I'm just past that mark. But anyway, the situation left me with anxiety and PTSD. So I was medicated and I was going to counseling, but um, PTSD, um, I never understood it until I had it. But so I was cycling everything that happened to me over and over in my brain, nonstop, 24 hours a day. If I was awake, I was remembering all of the moments where these um, traumatic things happened to me. And my husband is a developer and he said, hey, why don't you try coding? And I said to him, you've got to be kidding me. Like, like I don't have enough on my plate. And at that point, I was still working. I was teaching online. I'm trying to, um, you know, raise four children and and to get over everything that had happened to me. Mm-hmm. But he just kind of like kept asking me, like, or telling me, "Hey, try free code camp. Um, free code camp's awesome." And so I think probably just to appease him, I was like, "Fine, I'll do it." But when I did it for the first time those traumatic moments stopped cycling in my head. I was so focused on coding and what I was doing that it stopped. And I had a peace and a restfulness that I hadn't had in months. And then I also found that I really enjoyed it. Um, So on top of um, it stopping uh, my PTSD in those moments, enjoying it, Um, I found the great community of Moms Can Code, which was really supportive, and I started doing some free stuff with Flatiron School, and I I just fell in love. I thought, they understand how to teach me, and and that was it. So that's where I am now. That's amazing. And that's, that is, so that is by far the most, um, I'll say, dramatic story (laughs) into coding that I have heard so far. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's a good... So what is it, do you think, about coding that allows you to focus on one thing at a time and and actually forget about some of the other the trauma that you had? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm honestly not really sure. I think there's a couple of things that have helped. And one, it's learning a new skill. So um, after this all happened, I tried writing some like pilots and screenplays, which I got through. Mm-hmm. But it didn't require the intense focus because I'd been used to doing it. I had done it so many times. Um, so here there's something new. There was something to decode. So in my mind, there's this puzzle. And so like when you're writing a screenplay or something else, you don't realize that you you kind of know there's going to be an ending. Right. And you're creating this ending. Right. Um, but when you're coding, somebody has created this puzzle and you know that there's a solution to it. You have to find the solution. So I think activating that logical part of my brain after so long just was exactly what I needed to um, separate myself from that emotional side of my brain that had been so engaged. So that's definitely not a scientific explanation, but that's just how I feel that it's helped me. Hey, I I think it works well. (laughs) So why did you choose the Flatiron School? Um, I chose it because there's a couple of reasons I had started doing their accelerated prep boot camp, and I had tried out some other programs and some of them, it was like, 
I don't know, like someone was scratching their fingernails across a board because it, it was painful for me to go through them. Um, and then also their dean, Avi Flambaum, was incredibly supportive of me from the beginning of my journey. And so knowing that they had a curriculum that suited my needs, that I enjoyed waking up every morning to work on, mm-hmm. and then also having a dean who cared about his students, who was interested in building a community of people, not just individual coders, it seemed like the perfect environment for what I was looking for. And, and I would say what, what anybody who's coming into um, development as a second career would be looking for. Okay. Well, great. So you mentioned before that you're working with moms that code. Is that moms correct? can code. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Moms can code. What mm-hmm. is, um, so what is, what is moms can code and what are you working with them on? Yeah, so they are a global co-learning community. So it's mostly a bunch of moms um, at all different points in their careers. So some of us are changing careers or just starting careers or coming back to it after years of being at home with kids. Um, so it's a support network of people who are learning. Mm-hmm. So we do a lot of learning sessions and they're offering free courses right now and in a bunch of different things. Um, so from basics all the way up to um, game development to React. And then um, the challenge that I'm offering is a beginner blockchain challenge. So we're um, looking at the difference between uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum, but we're focusing on Ethereum and Solidity because I enjoy learning about that. And I, I see that there's a lot of um, potential in what I would like to be doing um, in terms of of developing of developing things. So um, it's a 30-day challenge. Um, it's got curated um, readings, videos, and coding challenges to kind of get an overview of, of what you can do with um, Ethereum. Wow, that's wonderful. And so this, <laughs> so is this, I guess you have to be, I would say, a mom to be a part of this organization and then learn these, or how, you how know, does actually, membership work? You do not have to be a mom. So one of the great things is, you know, we're a a lot of moms doing it, but there are some men who are members. There are supportive people who are members. So, hey, mom, I want to support you or I want to grow with you. Uh, I want to understand the challenges that you're facing. So I'd love to be part of this community. So anyone can join. um, And I think that's what helps mom's voices get heard even more when we are inviting everybody to be part of the community. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And why did you choose blockchain for your 30 day challenge? I I think I was really interested in blockchain. Um, My husband had, had been doing crypto zombies and um, he mentioned it to me. And at the time I was learning JavaScript. And so I started doing it and thinking, wow, this really makes sense. But also, I think what I had gone through with my trauma made it really easy for me to see how um, blockchain could have potential in preventing things like the trauma that had happened to me. Because, one, I think the medical record system was really terrible and at fault for what happened to me. Um, I had had a C-section um, 
eight years, seven years prior to this, um, to my fourth child. And that's what caused, um, my rupture because of where the incision was for the C-section. And so I felt that one, if there was a centralized place for medical records that would help us to look at the data and to say, okay, she's definitely at risk for this. There are some extra tests that we can run to make sure that nothing bad happened because Quite honestly, it was a miracle that I lived through what happened. Um, and, and that's not going to be the same for everyone else. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I felt like, okay, this could definitely be run on blockchain. We can have records like this um, that are easily transferable, easily accessed. Um, and And... And for me, that that made sense. Let's let's put healthcare in a place that we can all have access to it, which I know is way more complicated than that. But <laughs> for me, I, I'm about like this. This is a possible application. Sure. Um, and for a lot of moms, too, who are doing freelance work, there's definite um, potential in running it on the Ethereum platform where they know that they're going to, you know, have a contract. And when they complete the contract, they're going to get paid because nothing's worse than spending your time doing a project that someone doesn't pay you for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I think that's, that's absolutely amazing. Are you, so with, um, with your own, I guess, journey in this, um, obviously you're very, very busy what does your average day look like? And do you have any oh. like time <laughs> management type kind of uh, techniques or skills mm-hmm. or routines? Um, because, you know, you're a working mother, four yeah. kids. That's a lot. Yeah. Yes, it definitely, definitely is a lot. And for me, I'm a morning person. So to wake up by 5 or 5.30 every morning and get those couple of hours of coding in while my kids are still asleep, it's essential. I, if I don't get that time, it's definitely more difficult for me to get to the day through the day because it allows me to kind of focus myself and center on something logical, something that I'm doing for myself. And then When the kids wake up, it's a lot of like making snacks. (laughs) Somebody is crying, so I'm dealing with that. But it's just a lot of, you know, trying to be with my kids and be present. I try and take some time at lunchtime. Um, My youngest still naps, so I'll put her to sleep and then I'll get the kids involved in an activity if they've done their chores and they've done their reading and they've done playing, then they're allowed to watch some TV. And then during that time I spend it focusing on coding because by the time they are in bed at night, I am exhausted and my brain does not function in the same capacity that it does when I wake up and I have my coffee in the morning. Sure. So that's kind of basically my day and, and trying to get through it and being as productive as possible. And I will say, I pretty much never sit down during the day. There's always something happening. <laughs> sure. Always up and, and moving around. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Would you say that, or how would you say, let's put it that way, rather than add a, uh, ask a leading question, <laughs> your background in the humanities, would you say that it has been helpful or harmful in your new endeavor 
as a coder? Oh, it's definitely been helpful. Um, I think that I always tell my students or told my students that, that, you know, I was teaching core classes, so everybody had to take it. Nobody wanted to be there. So why are we reading these books and poems and plays? And I would say literature helps us to practice for real life. It helps us to understand each other, to develop empathy, to develop emotion. But it also asks us to decode meaning and to think deeply about the things that we're reading. And in these ways, one, I think that you develop soft skills by reading literature because you're interested in things like communicating with human beings and developing empathy. So I think it's allowed me to work with a variety of people um, who come from very different backgrounds and have different challenges. And so I never assume that somebody should be in a particular place. Um, I think that's really harmful to say like, Hey, this is really easy. So you'll get this. I like that just really, um, irks me when people say that because you just don't know. Yeah. Um, but also that decoding meaning when we're looking deeply at literature, we're, it's training us to analyze things and to focus and to concentrate. And those are the skills that you need when you're coding because you are, you're decoding things as you are coding. Um, and, and so in that way, you know, it creates that focus and both things I think also help us to understand the world around us. Oh, sorry. The world around us. Yeah, definitely. So, as somebody who then approached um, tech from, again, a non-traditional type of background, <laughs> what is what advice would you give to somebody else who's probably who listening to this and they're thinking, I want to make a career change or, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm really busy. I think this, this sounds like something I could I could do. What would you tell them um, on like some of the best s- steps or techniques that you've used to help them get into tech with a non-traditional background? Yeah, I would say, first of all, find a community of people that will support you and help you. So I have Moms Can Code. I have Flatiron. I'm very active on Twitter. I love being on Twitter because I found a supportive community of coders there. I know that's not the same for everyone else, but um, there's there have been a lot of good mentor figures for me there. Um, I would also say that like anything else, it gets hard. Everything in life gets hard, whether that's just everyday things, parenting, finding time to do the things that you love. Um, but just remember that when you're coding and it gets hard, these other things that you've overcome in your life were hard too. You just kept pushing forward. Mm-hmm. So it's worth it if you like it to push through those hard times. Um, and you'll find that developers who have been doing it for 20 years have also said, that it gets really difficult. So um, that's why having a support system, I think, is a great place to start, especially in an organization that has both new people and experienced mentors who are there to help you. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think trying out free resources is the way to go first because um I don't know about you, but I don't like wasting money. So <laughs> um, there are so many great resources out there. Free Code Camp is an amazing resource. Flatiron School has free resources on there. Um, start there. See how you like it. See what language you want to learn. Um, and then go from there. Mm-hmm. 
So you made you made an interesting comment about pushing through difficult times. Mm-hmm. So in your own life, like coding or not coding, how do you approach times either where you're fearful or they're difficult, yeah. and and how do you keep pushing through those to the other side? Yeah, well, I think for me, you know, almost dying um, kind of puts things in perspective. So <laughs> definitely. Um, for, for me, when I'm coding, I think that I experience less of the frustration because I went through this intensely difficult period of time in my life. And you don't have to almost die to go through that. You know, it might be a transition from like um, childhood to adulthood was really difficult for you. So I think putting that in perspective and thinking like, hey, I made it through that. But also, I think there are two other things that are important. And one, it's being honest, not just with yourself, but with the people around you. Um, so I found like during my trauma, I was always a very independent person, but I was literally stuck on a couch and I couldn't move after my surgery. And so I had to tell people, this is how I'm feeling or this is what I need. And that honesty was difficult for me um, because I had been so used to being independent Um, but in the long run, it's benefited me so much because I could admit, Hey, listen, I need some help here. If you're getting into coding or you're getting into a a different career or something in your life, that's challenging. There are amazing people out there who are willing to mentor and you just have to be able to ask or to put it out there. And I've even found that tweeting about it, like, here's my place of honesty. I'm lost right now. I have had so many people respond in positive ways that I never thought imaginable. Um, so I, I actually um, had been coding on a Chromebook and then I tweeted about it and someone sent me a MacBook. So Wow. <laughs> yeah. Talk about amazing. I never would have expected that ever to happen, but I was at like a difficult place because I didn't have the right equipment. I couldn't afford the right equipment. And someone who could said, let me help you out. Um, so I think, you know, being honest and being vulnerable. So those are the two things that I think, um, can really help you individually, but it also, that's also what helps people grow as a community of people. And I think that's the other thing, you know, all those years of literature, I don't know why I didn't get it in my head. This is this is what the author is saying. Now do it in your own life. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's wonderful. In so in your in your journey thus far, what would you say has been the best advice you've ever received? Um, I think the best advice is just to persevere, keep going through it because even in the times when you think you aren't good, you probably are. I mean, people are always um, are always looking things up when they're in this world. And there's no shame in that. It's okay to not know the answer. Um, so to keep pushing forward through that. Um, I also, this is, this is not advice that I received, but mm-hmm. I was recently reading an Ada Lovelace um biography. And she has this beautiful quote that talks about um, about the mathematical sciences. And she says they're not just truths. They're not just truths, but they're about beauty and symmetry and logical completeness. And for me, that really helped to inspire me 
because she's talking about mathematical things in terms of the beautiful and how if we look at both of these things, it can help us to understand the world around us. And to me, that made so much sense because we're always hearing these things about left brain people or right brain people and logical versus artistic. And I don't think that we need to differentiate the two. And I think both of us help us to understand the world around us. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, that's wonderful. Thank you. So, Becca, thank you so much uh, for your time this morning. And definitely you're a, a, well, a fantastic example of, of <laughs> someone who's persevered despite uh, difficult times. So thank you for telling me that story. If the listeners would like to uh, communicate with you, have your website or get a, get a hold of you, what is the best way they can do that? Uh, Twitter and Instagram, I'm pretty active on. So you can follow me. It's at Becca HW. So it's B-E-K-A-H and then another H-W. So two H's and a W because my last name is Harat Weigel. Oh, um, sure. Yeah, so feel free to follow me or DM me. I'm always open to talking to people about my experiences or helping you with what you need. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And I will put those in the show notes so people can click right through. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Advance Your Hour podcast. If you like this episode, please go into iTunes and give us a five-star rating. And while you're there, hit the subscribe button so that every single time I release a new episode, it will go directly to you without even thinking about it. If you're interested in hearing older episodes, please go to AdvanceYourArt.com where you can find the catalog of everything I've done so far, as well as contact information and projects I'm working on. Thank you again, and have a great day.